Hey, Khaled Sultan here, and before we begin, just wanted to let you know that this episode will be part one of a two-part series of my conversation with Nasser from the hard rock band Winterburn. Give the show a juicy review and enjoy. Welcome back to Curated Advice on Better Living, and now your host, Khaled Sultan. I don't get emotional. Like I know, I never, I don't think I've ever cried when a celebrity died, except Michael Jackson. And I didn't cry when he died. It was when I was watching his memorial. Someone said something in the memorial that got me emotional. I didn't cry. I teared up. It made me well up. I was like, fuck, that like was intense. Especially musicians. Because musicians, to me, like that's kind of that's kind of a real grief, you know, because their music changes your life, man. You know, it's music is therapeutic. So like um what happens is I feel like I can connect with, I know this sounds fucking wild, but I was going to not connect to the spirit, but like you, you want to pay honor to them or pay tribute to them by listening to their record. No, it's true. And it's important to also give the listener some background on you. You're a musician. You're part of a band, Winterburn. You're arguably, at least in my opinion, one of the most talented musicians and artists and guitarists here in Doha. You're embarrassing me, bro. A- am I? I'm going to cry. Nah, man, I appreciate that, man. Do like, you disagree? It, I know I'm good, bro. I appreciate like any compliment. I, I'm very bad with compliments. I get embarrassed. But I know I'm fucking good. Like yeah. I know how good I am. And I know I can put on a killer show. I don't think I'm one of the best guitarists uh, in the Middle East for sure not, man. There's so many amazing players. Here, but though. Do- well, I can give some guys a run for their money. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I mean, like for me, it's not even about, you know what? I posted a video yesterday. I was playing the most, a very standard solo. But it's not about how hard and how like technical and playing all these super complex and scintillating solos and wild leads. Because I could do that. And I used to do that when I was younger. It's about actual passion, man. It's about the like good yeah. energy. You know what I mean? And like for me, I think I can, I play with good energy and I write fucking good real music man it's not cliche shit can you describe you know your musical stuff for people that are listening that aren't familiar you know with your band and your music could you like describe your your background in music and your your music style so my background is i was a solo i actually was in a band when i was a teenager here in doha growing up so i started playing like live gigs like you know the equivalent of california backyard parties or american backyard parties here um and um you know jamming with friends put together a band as a teenager and then when i moved to dubai when as a teen i uh you know like my band and i were very serious we wanted to start touring and playing festivals and doing all of that like everyone's committed to different things and so i kind of went in my own route and i became a solo musician and i put a band together there and then put out several records been playing i don't know man since my 20s all the way till now so now i'm in my early 30s so we're heading towards my mid 30s but i mean um now what happened was about four years ago i looked at my solo band and i said man we've been playing together for years we're close friends and it became more of like a unit it's not just me writing well actually it was (laughs) that's bullshit because i was writing everything but i mean like i wanted everyone to write i'd gotten over that weird thing because i had a problem collaborating with other musicians Mm. in a band mainly because my old band when i which i quit when i was like 20 or yeah i was 20 when i quit that band uh the problem with it was that 
I think around that age, I had like some weird musical awakening. Like mm-hmm. I kind of went back to all my childhood records. Uh, funnily enough, I was also dabbling with a lot of stuff and partying and all of that. So mm-hmm. I got together with this really interesting dude who was into new wave music. When I By new wave, I mean like Duran Duran and all that shit. He re- reignited that love that I had for everything, not just rock and metal and all of that. And what happened then was my songwriting changed. It went from just metal and whatever to I want to write everything, man. I want to incorporate the shit I love into my music. And that didn't work for my bandmates. Like even if something was too, if it had blues in it, it was too bluesy. It just had to be street metal. So you were more experimental, whereas they wanted to stick to just. It was still fucking rock and roll, man. I mean, it was still good music. I could still write metal music, but I could write groovier metal music. But they didn't want to do that. They just wanted to stick to their style of melodic death metal or whatever whatever it was and i so that's when i started doing the solo thing and then put out several records putting out records is a big deal how did you manage to put out your first record was that something you did independently who financed it how did that happen i did do it independently but at the time interscope records uh launched what is now known as TuneCore. Uh, at that time it was still part of it i don't know if it's still even owned by interscope and i i realized you could just do digital distribution for my first ep at least and i put that out and you know the, it became a bit of a gimmick like oh first guy out of Qatar to put out a record because it was recorded here in a studio here with my friend who's like at his home studio and he's a fucking amazing musician too it might sound like it was a big deal but it wasn't for me because I'd been recording music since I was 17 so like for me it was like okay just making music so I was a natural progression in yeah your career I, I I actually want I, I actually thought I'd be I thought I'd break eventually but like I, I mean I have very high and big aspirations but it wasn't like unrealistic ones but it wasn't like and I don't mean to say this in a like in an arrogant or egotistical type of way I, I genuinely mean it it didn't feel like wow this is groundbreaking it was like this is just a part of my what I'm doing man you know what I mean yeah but that got me like funnily enough I didn't get out I, I was snubbed a lot in my own hometown man and interestingly and I don't give a shit I'll say this openly it was the press in Dubai that gave me like a lot of fucking breaks okay. I mean I, I got on TV in Dubai well I was on radio uh, I was um, in almost every major publication in the country. Like every newspaper featured me. And this is what, 2010? I was like 22, man, you know? So right. um, so you grew up here, you're, you know, you're local talent here, but you start getting recognition in another country. Funnily enough, I started getting recognition for being the guy from Qatar who put out the first hard rock record out of Qatar, the first rock record, whatever, out of Qatar. That shit happened there. And the funny thing is they would always reference my hometown. But like out here, it was more like, you know, it... It was just they were not receptive to it. And it's funny because it was on my second record that I started getting some recognition in my hometown. And I was, there was there was I'll give one guy a shout out because he's he's a very good friend of mine now. He was a magazine editor editor here in Doha. His name is James McCarthy. He doesn't live here anymore. And he actually wrote the first feature of me in a magazine here, which was cool, you know, but it wasn't until my second record, which was a few years later that I started, which was the first full length album that I started getting some recognition in my hometown. That was on uh, a label, but that was again, like, I'm not going to bullshit people and say, oh, I had some fucking great record deal. No, it was like a distribution deal between me and a label. And, you know, I get the majority of the money back kind of thing. But it wasn't like, you know, oh, A&R guys saw this guy who was like, okay. oh, and they signed him. It wasn't like that. What's and the it, difference for people that don't know, like when it comes to people just know like, oh, this musician got a record. What's the difference between like the different kinds of record deals, distribution deals? 
This is a, this is another thing which musicians in this region are not fucking honest about, and and I I don't like it, man. And I don't want to knock anyone. Like, there's a lot of talented, amazing musicians all over the region, and I mean talented in their respective genres. Even if I'm not into it, like I can recognize good t- good music because I love all all genres of music as long as it grooves and it's it's good. Good music is good music, man. It doesn't matter what fucking genre. Absolutely. It is. But um, a lot of people, I don't think they're trying to be deceptive about it because people in the music scene know what's going on you know but a lot of people look like they have these really nice glamorous deals with major labels but when you actually look when you when you talk to them or if you're friends with them it's just shitty distribution deals and they're they're not treated well you know whereas like i'll give you an example a couple of friends of mine got a, re, a record deal with a subsidiary of atlantic atlantic records which okay. is one of the biggest labels of in course the world. and um that's a real deal like they get advances they get taken to the best record studios where they're based amazing big name producers all of that stuff crazy tours they get booked financed all of that shit that whole nine yards proper support it's not like they're getting a shitload of money but i mean these guys are also from very good families they're well off their families are all from orange county and they have like nice houses and good jobs and whatever they come from very good backgrounds but the deals they have is a legit deal i mean the deal sorry they have and that's a real record deal what you see a lot of musicians dealing with is yeah they're on a roster of a major label or the franchise of a major label out here but it's not an actual deal they don't get the advances uh, i know some they've actually told me this they're like we don't even get advances like wow. I, got, I gotta fucking make my own records and they gotta churn out record after record after record and like it's like they want a music making machine and they don't give a shit about quality anymore so I, they'll pay for you know for the actual production of the music but they won't actually pay the artists. They'll actually pay more for the distribution and marketing and the nice Instagram account verification and, you know, like buying and boosting ads and shit like that. But they won't. And putting, they'll put them in nice slots. They'll give them nice gigs, nice shows. They'll hook them up with major artists to open up and do shit like that. But I mean, I know a few guys, you know, and it's kind of sad because they're really good musicians. Like we're not really that close or anything, but I know what's going on. And they're like, man, it's not, it's not as glamorous as it looks. So now with my case, I am shopping for a label and there are a few labels that I'm looking at, but these are labels that actually work with their musicians. It's not about just a oh, whatever wishy-washy deal. You know, it's not just a distribution thing. And um, I like one of my best friends, um, he's signed to a, I wouldn't say they're a major label, but they're a big label. They have a lot of big names on it or like big names in the eighties who sold platinum records and multi-platinum records. But like one thing about them is that um, he's released like three albums in the past three years. Like, sorry, he's released like three albums in the past two and a half years. He's actually put out two fucking records in one year. And you can actually hear the quality of his music deteriorate because the label just wants him to put out as many records as possible. So they're putting pressure on him to produce. We need a new record. We need a new tour. We need a new record. We need to blah, blah, blah. And it's like typical when you actually look at what's happening behind the scenes. It's not like I said, it's not as glamorous as it seems. And um, but but they got a shitload of names on their roster. You know, I, I I mean, I could go more, but I can't. my friends are going to kill me, man. And the thing is, like, I can't name some of these bands because some of them are popular. But I mean, you know, they trusted me and they kind of told me this, some of them in confidence. So I cannot really share much, but you can tell they're not like I have a friend. He's in a band signed to the same to their label mix with the other band. And like, I'd hear shit like, dude, I don't even make fucking 10 pence off a record. You know what I mean? He's like, I don't make jack shit from the records. I get paid a flat fee or I get, I'm on a payroll and it's not even that much. And I get most of my money from touring. I mean, dude, you, 
I mean, we've always heard, um, you know, things about the music industry and how they exploit artists. Do you feel like it's gotten worse? Hell yeah, man. I mean, the, the you know, the worst thing about the most destructive thing that happened to music is Spotify and shit like that. Um, Streaming platforms. Some platforms are all right. You know, I think Apple Music are fair, but some I can't I, I, I'd have to look on my phone. But Peter Frampton had something like three million plays off uh, or three million streams on one of his big singles if you don't know who peter frampton is he used to be the guitarist for a band called um humble pie he went solo he made he put out this record called frampton comes alive which is like a classic album regardless of genre it's like one of the all-time greats one of the greatest live albums and he had like something like three million streams and he got like a thousand dollars on spotify yeah well, i mean that's it, bullshit that's nothing yeah. like i can show you some of these major artists i don't know if it was ti or who, some of these guys like posted their actual um earnings from like fucking millions of streams and it's that's like ridiculous that's bullshit so so for me like and i don't buy any of this digital shit anymore it's so manipulated because i know there is a fucking dude i know for a fact was buying streams man or like he had some automated bot shit going mm-hmm. on and this is the same thing on instagram and a lot of, i don't buy i don't even believe verified accounts anymore because i know fucking people that buy that shit i have friends that actually admit it to this right so i don't buy any of it anymore i think like it's, it's a lot of fake shit man like how is some fucking random girl in Qatar who's like not even like i've never even heard her name how does she have like seventy thousand followers right like who the fuck are you <laughs> i've never even heard of you like i know there are influencers here yeah. who have a crazy following not i mean in the khadij in general yeah but there's some like random like I'm sitting uh, Ahmed Shaheen he was on your podcast yeah before. yeah my former Ahmed colleague and, Ahmed and I are, like I tell him like we're we're Buck McNasty you know the hater on Dave Chappelle's show. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like we, we send each other stuff I'm like who the fuck is this person with the sponsored ad and she's got like seventy thousand followers and her like bio is like I'm fashion model in Doha like yeah right man. <laughs> Yeah, you don't I look know like what you mean. <laughs> like my brother and I. Like, what clownery shit is this? Fashion model with who? You know, like, bro, George Lynch. I completely fucking sidetracked off music into something yeah. else, but I'll, I'll, I'll sort of explain why I went on this tangent. George Lynch is a legendary guitarist. He's like my dad's age, and we're talking. He's from the era of Eddie Van Halen and Randy Rhodes. Like, he's from the icons of fucking guitar playing, revolutionary guys. George Lynch is a multi-platinum selling artist. This guy used to fucking play arenas, headline arenas with his bands, okay? Yeah, his band Dawkins is a multi-platinum selling band. He's not even fucking verified on Instagram. Holy shit. Okay? Ibanez guitars are not fucking verified on Instagram. Like, I can literally, I'll show you some big ass profiles. I'm like, how the fuck? There's a guy who, um, what's his name? Francis Ford Coppola played uh, tribute to at the Academy Awards, like, he's not even fucking verified on Instagram. Holy shit. But some random Abaya designer in Doha's fucking verified. Who are you people? Dude, there's like a fucking guy here, man. I've never even heard his music. And he's verified on Instagram. And he's supposedly been a musician for like the past five years. And I keep seeing like his shit and I'm like, who are you? Like, I've never even heard of you. And like, you know what I'm saying, man, like, it's just weird. Like, it's this whole culture of digital stuff is just so manipulative, man. And people buy that shit. Like people actually don't find this stuff like yeah, any, they don't think it's a suspect at all. No. Like, I'll give you an example. Like, so what I was saying about Spotify was like, we knew this guy. I used to show it to my friends. I'm like, how the fuck is he like slamming all these digital charts? I mean, he's saying he is and he's posting numbers, but I've never even heard of him. And his music is the most generic thing. And I don't mean this in a bad way because I'm hating on the guy. I just 
I think he's very manipulative with what he's putting out there. And he was deceiving people. And then we discovered, like, uh, there was a scandal that came out on him about him sexually harassing girls and all that. There's someone here in the region, by the way. Yeah, he 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 he, he was acting like the Drake of the Middle East. <laughs> okay. And this I think dude, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, he's not he's not he's not here. He's not yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. in the region though. He's in the region, yeah. Yeah. And and they discovered that he was manipulating all of this shit. It wasn't real, man. And I said that to my friend. I'm like, that's fucking lame like really like so you can't even buy any of this anymore like when someone bro i have friends they're like five hundred thousand streams on spotify this year i have a band who like i could i can see the reach of my music like i can see insights into how many people are viewing like posts and shit i don't even get those kind of streams i don't even get fucking like ten thousand streams i'm like how the fuck are you getting 500 000? i'm not oh, saying i'm not comparing myself to their music but i mean it just just doesn't sound real doesn't me. sound real yeah something is suspect and i went from digital the digital world has killed music because anybody now can be a self-proclaimed star you know what i mean and that's why i don't buy this like if you want to fucking i it's not like i'm the you know uh, who died and made Nasab the judge of rock music or good music? I'm a, no one did, but I just I'm not impressed by that. I'm impressed by fucking good music, good songwriting, good production, and amazing live shows. What you bring out on the fucking road is what I will judge you on. And so when I see a lot of these guys, I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. Like I see people hype, get so much hype, and we were just talking about, you know, right. the, you know, fucking like really nice live shots. And it's funny because they only take live shots when of the crowd when they have a big turnout, and it's not their headlining event because right. I know they play other event, and people I know go like, oh, there's barely anyone there. But like they're garbage, they're medi- mediocrity at best. They're just getting hype because of you know certain factors well i mean do social media allows people to kind manipulate, of yeah so. manipulate and, and carefully Dude. select what they show and they then obviously that's not a real reflection of reality some of the people you see succeeding or, or appear the most happiest we know might have the most miserable lives or philanthropists and people who talk about oh i'm, I'm helping these people and i don't know what you don't know what they're like off i the feel camera. i feel bad because i don't want to come off as like like i said like mr haterade <laughs> but like what i'm trying to say in a nutshell, is exactly what you're saying. People are just projecting the best versions of themselves and they're not telling the truth. And I really have a fucking problem with people that that don't have integrity. Dude, I will tell you, my solo band started to fail towards the end before we went into this band band thing. And that was one of the reasons why I said, I think we need to be an actual band. I was like, people associate the music with me. And it's not, you know, I might not be everybody's cup of tea. So I want people to enjoy the music for the music. Fucking take disassociate it from me. Are yes. you talking about Winterburn or? Yeah, Winterburn. And my, no, my solo band was my band. It was my name, whatever. And I first, well, first, the first thing I said was, if we tour the UK or Europe, uh, who's going to know how to pronounce Nasal and Mystery? You know, they're going to be like, Nazaya sees me on stage. And how's he going to pronounce the name? It's a shitty name for, I mean, it's not a shitty name. I mean, it's, it's shitty for marketing. It's hard. Yeah. I, so I I said, guys, we need something more universal. That's one. Two, I don't want people associating music with me because maybe they don't like me. Maybe I have certain political or certain views about life that they don't agree with. And that's fine because everybody has their own views. But I listen to guys who like, I my views are 180 degrees opposite. I mean, yeah, I, that's I mean, fine. I, I don't like a lot of the shit that Ted Nugent says, but I love his fucking classic records. And I think all rockers can agree on that. And there's a lot of artists like that. You know, they're amazing musicians, yeah. but they got garbage views. You which, have to separate the um, the individual from the, the art. Exactly. Like, 
I don't, I make fun of communists all the time, but Rage Against the Machine is one of my favorite bands. I love that. Bands. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And they've got like so much lefty stuff in their music. Yeah. It, I don't care, man. I love the music, you know? And even some of the content, like I do agree with a lot of it. Cause I'm in the middle, man. I'm not fucking left or right or whatever. But what I was saying is, yeah, so that's why I wanted to do my own band thing. And like, that's how sort of Winter Burn came together. The name came from a song that I wrote called Winter Burn. Not, it has nothing to do with the surname Winterburn. In fact, the way I came up with the name is fucking funny. It was like in the winter and I was about to light something up. And then I was like, oh, burning in the winter, Winterburn. You know, just came in. It just my came, head. yeah. It wasn't because of Nigel Winterburn or anything. I didn't, you know, I actually didn't realize it was a fucking surname until a while later. Like when I, when we were trying to get the name copyrighted and all that stuff. But anyways, um, yeah, man. Like when you ask about the music industry, it's weird because... So you get guys like me who are, I'm still old school, bro. I still buy my shit. I still buy vinyl. I still buy CDs. You can't see my stuff in here because I put it in the other room, but I have a like cabinet that's just if full of like thousands of CDs okay. and vinyl and all that shit. Keeping them, keeping them safe uh, from the dog and cat. No, they're or cool. enemies. They don't care. I mean, my guitars are laying around. They don't give a shit. They're cool, man. But like what I'm trying to say is like, I still buy music because making a record, if you want to like the, the, the minimum, you're going to pay like $10,000, the minimum. Okay to make a record and it goes up to like hundreds of thousands up to millions you put all that time money effort all that in and then it gets relegated to a fucking spotify stream now major artists they can afford that because they don't their source of income is not a fucking spotify stream well actually funny enough a lot of mainstream hip-hop artists do sell shitload of records physical too but i mean like a lot of the bigger bands and you know i'm not just talking about hip-hop they, they make money other ways you yeah know, appearances man. appearances whatever. endorsements tours whatever yeah so like i don't have that luxury right now so and that's not the only reason why I'm taking off my music off Spotify. I just think Spotify CEO is a piece of shit. Okay. I don't know if your podcast is going to be on Spotify. My, pod, my, my uh, Most of my listeners listen on Spotify, actually. Oh, shit. <laughs> I think he's a piece of shit. I mean, he was saying, like, if musicians are complaining about the lack of money they earned, then let them, let them make more music. Well, go fuck yourself. I'm not going to make enough. more music. But, like, that's one of the things. I'm just against it. And I noticed there's a, a, a bunch of artists and musicians and stuff now that are going down the same route of, you know what? Fuck it. I'm taking my music off. I said to the band, yo, guys, we'll keep the singles on, but the records are off. That's it. Okay, so, you get, so you get four singles and that's all you're going to hear from Winter Burn. I mean, people, you want to buy the record? Go on fucking iTunes and buy it, dude. Like everybody, every normal human being should. Yeah. I mean, look, you got to make a stand. You got to make a stand. If people enough people make a stand, then it, changes happen. And it's not even about the money because the money is not even a tenth. Uh, a tenth is the fucking way over. That, even that's an overstatement. I mean, it's, it's, not, it's, it's peanuts compared to what you actually spend on the record. So it's not about the money. It's the principle. You're fucking shortchanging yourself. And I didn't make a killer record, you know, and I'm not self-praising. I'm telling you, I didn't make a fucking good record with that production, with those guys on it to relegate it to fucking Spotify, man. You I know? mean, I can I can vouch for it being a killer record. Thanks, You're man. putting out crazy good music, man. I enjoyed it. And I appreciate it, Brett. No, man. I mean, you know, there's a lot of heart. Like, that's what I feel like. When the record first came out, it actually was doing our Dogtown did good, you know, compared to Ivory Towers. Ivory Towers didn't do as well in the singles wise. But people who have listened to it properly, like album, like front to back, 
they get it, man. They can hear it. They're like, yeah, I can fucking. I mean, that's a real band. I mean, okay, yeah, it's mainly me and Thomas. It's just the two of us. But that's a fucking real record. It's organic, bro. There's no autotune on that shit. I was standing in a room shirtless, sweating my ass off because we had a problem with the AC while I was about to have an MS attack because I had just gotten diagnosed with MS. And I was singing my ass off. And I was singing from a place of, I just found out I have this fucked up illness. And... I had so much like emotion in me, you know what I mean? And um, I just flew back from LA a few months before. So that was still there, that inspiration of being there. I just became a dad. All of this stuff was piled up in me. Like it was like an accumulation of so many emotions at the same time. And making that record wasn't easy, man, because I couldn't play guitar the first uh, halfway through, you know, like that's when I lost sense, like I lost strength in my arm and I lost sensation in my arm. So I had to re-fucking, I, I always say I had to relearn and people misinterpret that. I mean, I didn't have to relearn theory. I had to basically physically rehabilitate my body to the level of, you know, that I was at before. Because, bro, you, I was shredding before. And then all of a sudden, I couldn't even hold a pick. And then slowly, I started to regain strength in my arm. And I had to basically develop a way to play where I can't feel how I'm hitting the strings. Like, I literally can barely feel it. And I was like, fuck it, whatever. And then that's what I meant by I had to develop a technique to play without sensation or with minimal sensation man there's so many things i want to ask you about you know your process and music but you know you've you've mentioned uh you know having ms multiple sclerosis right yeah can you give us a background on what this condition is because some people don't know yeah and and if i'm rambling and sidetracking a lot and i said this to you earlier i said i said i hate one thing I hate about recording a lot of shows, interviews, podcasts, all of this is they always I always get caught at a time where I'm like not in the best physical state. By that, I mean, I'm extremely fatigued. So you see me right now in front of you. I don't do I look normal? You look normal. Yeah. But I feel like I'm floating. <laughs> what do you mean floating? I don't feel like I'm in my body. That's how I've. that's how fatigued I am. Like my hands feel super numb. I feel like I feel like I'm half asleep. You know, why I'm, is that? Is that because of the MS? Or? Yeah. Because cause I had a long day, bro. I've been up since the morning. I've been running around, doing errands. I had that bank fucking thing. Oh, yeah. If, but anyways, I had like an overwhelming day. And then right before you came by like an hour, I went skateboarding because I wanted to like take him for, you know, his daily cardio. Like, And the easiest way to get my dog exhausted is take him skating. Um, then I had to quickly get capped. I mean, it was just like exhausting. And so like... But how does MS plays a big factor for, you know, for the listener? Could you... Describe the condition, you know, how you got diagnosed. Just give us some background on that. So I, I, I've i told the story a lot. I'll try to, I'll try to like summarize. summarize it in a way. And then we'll link back to the album and then yeah, producing well, that song. It happened during the album uh, tracking phase. So what happened was Thomas was on tour. Thomas Pridgen played on the album. With Your band me. member. Well, he's not my band member. He, he, he's, a, he's, he was bandmates with one of my best friends in LA and at the time we were, I was looking at different drummers to play on the record. In fact, I can't name one of them because he's kind of like, he's kind of an, like a friend, but like, I don't want to name names. I just, cause I feel kind of uncomfortable name dropping, but I'd approached him. He's in a major band, man. Give okay. him a shout out, dude. No, man. <laughs> no, I don't feel comfortable. <laughs> Fine. Fair like, enough. Like uh, people who know me know about this because I, I approached him and I said, Hey man, I, I was like, bro, would you play on my next record? Like, would you have the time? And he's like, honestly, bro. He's like, I don't know when I'd have the time. Uh, the reason why is cause he plays in a big 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 fucking band and they were just about to i think go on tour or something um so then there was like there was several candidates that i was looking at and 
my friend Alex was like, yo, bro, just talk to Thomas. I was like, you think he's going to do it? He's like, yeah, man. You know, like, just just talk to Thomas. He's cool. And then I just reached out to Thomas. He's like, can I hear any music? I'm like, yeah, I sent him the music. And he was like, he fucking dug it. That was it. So what happened was he, because he's, Thomas Pridgen is basically an, a Grammy award winning drummer. He's so high in demand by so many major fucking bands. He's played for the Mars Volta. That's the band that he won the Grammy with. He's been a suicidal tendencies, Keisha Cole, Snoop Dogg. You name the name. He's And so at the time when I contacted Thomas, he was with a band called Residente. Residente was playing fucking 60,000 people a night. Damn. They were doing studio tours. Damn, uh, sorry, dude. stadium tours wow. in South America. So imagine me trying to get a hold of this guy. By the way, this is the guy I was telling you that I asked to play the drums. I'll tell you which band he's in afterwards. Okay. Okay. So, <laughs> so, um, so yeah, man, Thomas was like busy. And then, so we said, okay, let's just do two singles for now. And then when you come back from tour, we'll do the rest of the record. This was end of 2018. My wife was in America at the time. She had practically was living there for almost half a year. Uh, she's got family there. My son was born there because we were going to have my son. So we said, let's have him in the States. We've got family there. It's easier. And, um, so I said, let's do these two singles and then I'll fly out to LA and whatever have fun have my son spend time with my family then i'll come back in whatever time and we'll do the rest of the record right before my trip we did the two singles which was ivory towers and gypsy gypsy was actually the original slated to be the second single which you would dig if you listen to it you i'll definitely listen to it yeah gypsy yeah. gypsy got like fucking awesome review recent i was reading it in a magazine which like meant a lot to me actually because it's one of my favorite magazines. Like Gypsy's a cool song. It's like a very rock and roll Randy Rhodes, like California, early 80s type of thing. Um, and um, so, yeah, I did those two songs. Then one day I was at home. I was lifting weights and I just felt like fucking like this weird. I tried this workout, which was really intense and I wasn't supposed to go really heavy on. I was really into weightlifting at the time. I weighed like 15 kilos less than what I weigh now, but I was lifting heavy shit. And then um, I felt like this burning sensation that, go, that, that went from my neck all the way to the tips of my finger, fingers. It was like this weird, fiery thing, right? And then all of a sudden, like, I, so first I was like, whoa, man, maybe I fucked a nerve there. You know, I pinched a nerve or something. Went upstairs. Uh, take a shower or whatever and I always jam like all day like even now I might not post a lot but that's just because I don't want to fall into that trap of posting like every day like every other weirdo on social media yeah but uh, I play guitar every day and I write every day and um, I uh, what'd you call it I picked up the guitar and I noticed that I can't fucking I can't close my finger onto the pick which is like like the lightest thing in the world man I'm like what the fuck I can't can't hold the pick and I couldn't even strum it's like my whole arm was numb, like, but it felt like it was, it, it was like a 20, unfunctional. You couldn't, like it wasn't functioning. And it was heavy as fuck. Like it was 20 kilos heavier. That's what it felt like. You know what I mean? And I'm like, yo man, what happened? So I went quickly to, like I had, a, I think I had three days or four days left to travel to LA. So I got to pack so much shit, you know, like, cause I'm going to be there for months and I need to pack stuff and I need to prep, dude. I'm traveling to the States. It's a 17 and a half hour fucking flight. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I've got like, I've got two cats at the time. I didn't have Cheech at the time. So there's a lot of stuff to manage. You know, got to sort someone out to take care of the cats. So I, in, the, in the midst of all this chaos, I started running and seeing diff, two different doctors. The first doctor was like, oh, it's probably just your nerve. It's probably just your disc. So like in your neck. So what we're going to do is we're going to do a retraction, which is what like they, they basically, it's, it's like cartoonish. But they wrap this like belt thing around your okay. head and then they, I think it's called retraction. I don't know, whatever. Anyway, so they, they basically pull your neck. So he misdiagnosed you. 
He didn't know, man. He doesn't know any better. So I do have bulging discs in my neck, which we all, I think, do. I think it's natural because of the way we sit, we, we're sitting in unnatural ways. All the kind of garbage posture and everything that we do probably contributes to it. But he was wrong because it was like a placebo effect. So the first session I did, I actually thought, oh, my arm feels good, man. Yeah, fuck yeah. I went home and tried to play guitar. It didn't work, man. Tried it again the second day. Then I'm like, fuck it, man. I'm leaving to the States. I'll find myself some, you know natural ways to heal mm-hmm. <laughs> i was going to la so yeah. I, <laughs> I was like <laughs> some uh, kombucha devil's, some devil's lettuce will help uh, you know <laughs> um so i went to la and my my in-laws were there actually and i told my father-in-law about it and he's like oh it must be your nerves i have all this he had like nerve medications and supplements and stuff he's like try this out didn't work and it had been a month two months it, it just wouldn't come back. And I'd lost sensation all over here, like all this part of my hand. This is my picking hand and part of my fretting hand. So oh, I'd lost sucks, sensation in my hands. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? So I come back here and now I'm back in the studio and I haven't played guitar in months, okay? Like, because I hadn't, I didn't play there. I was busy with my wife and my newborn child. Right. And you saw the doctor there? When did you get actually I didn't get see diagnosed? A, yeah, I didn't see a doctor in the States, funnily enough, because I said I'll wait till I came back here. And then I mean, they have good test. doctors there. You want to pay forty five? You want to pay $10,000 for an MRI? Yeah, so you go to Cedar, Cedar, <laughs> you go to Cedar, Cedar, Cedar Sinai, you're going to pay like at least like not even 10000 You pay like twelve, thirteen thousand dollars $13,000. Those are it. insurance prices. Those are meant for insurance exactly. companies. And I was kind of saving up on the insurance for my wife's, you know, pregnancy yeah, and all of for that. For sure. For sure. I just thought like, do I really need this fucking headache right now? And then, okay, my family in the States didn't help out either because they're like, don't see the doctor because they're going to misdiagnose you and make you do all kinds of tests to fuck you up. And they're going to they're gonna like suck money out of you. You don't know healthcare here. And they're, tr- they're right, man. Healthcare in the States is... The primary reason that scares me about moving is settling there in the future. That is the one thing that always scares me. Like, I'm like, I want to live there and I want to move there because my son's an American and I've got friends there and I love that country. But, you know, the healthcare system is scary shit. Right. Right. If you're not covered with insurance, that shit is wild. Anyways, so I came back here and we did all kinds of tests and then slowly they started to notice this is more serious than I thought because they saw something in my spinal cord and they thought it was a tumor. And they thought it was a specific type of cancer. They said, that's one of the possibilities. It's either MS. I'm like, don't fucking say that, dude. Or it's a tumor or it's just an infection. I must have been so heavy, dude. You must the, have been. Those are like three extremes, right? And MS, I know what MS is. I've known what MS is since I was a kid. You know, my sister got diagnosed with MS. My family didn't even know what MS was, but I did because Clive Burr from Iron Maiden had MS. So when I was a kid i knew what lou gehrig's disease which is als which is really bad because of jason becker and ms because of clive clive burr and you know other guys and um it was a very scary thing to hear man because i'm like fuck and jack osborne had been diagnosed not too long a few years before i was before my sister was it's a very scary thing i mean i was devastated when my sister got diagnosed my family my sister you know and you you know it's a scary thing you know like how do you deal with something like that she got diagnosed and you got diagnosed with ms yeah she got diagnosed in 2016 and two years uh, three two and a half years later i got diagnosed and it was just like what, what was that like that must have been just overwhelming to be was, diagnosed it, uh, well i at first when the guy said it was cancer the first thing i did was i started making plans to go to the states because i said like i'll go to john hopkins or mayo clinic or MDM. yeah, yeah. i was like looking at these type of options because i was like 
I'm not going to fucking because the surgery that they were talking about was very scary. You're talking about going in from here into your spinal cord. Like it's like some super sensitive, scary yeah, shit, right? God it's forbid, called, man. Oh. The cancer type was called ependymoma or something. Yeah. I think it was that. So if anybody out there who's listening who knows about cancer, they'll probably be like, "What? I wonder what cancer it was. But anyways, so then when he said, oh, no, we found some lesions on your brain, too. That's when I was like, oh, man. And when he told me that you ha- when I was reading the report, it's very scientific. You know, like it's like a lot of medical terminology, like there's demyelination in the brain and the nerves and the this sheath and that shit. And I'm like just reading the shit. I kind of know what's going. These are all like keywords because I read a lot of like medical. So what is MS? It's basically, see, I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> it's an autoimmune disorder. And what it is, is your immune system is like on overdrive. And it's basically killing your central nervous system. It's attacking yourself. Yeah. And that's why the that's why when when I when this pandemic hit, the reason why I was super careful was because I take immunosuppressive drugs. So my immunity is like deliberately brought down by the treatment that I do so that, you know, to to control what's happening, which is mm-hmm. my my immune system attacking my own autoimmune disease. And then basically it fucks with the signals that your brain sends to, to your through your central nervous system. And that's why people lose mobility. And there's different types of MS. There's progressive MS. There's relapsing, remitting MS, which is what I have, thank God. Um, which is funny. I'm saying thank God. But I mean, alhamdulillah, like that's better than a lot of other people. Because, dude, I can run and I can work out and I skateboard for two hours a day and I do all kinds of activities and lift weights and even tan in the sun which a lot of my friends can't do my friends with ms some have by the way progressively actually improved because they've changed their lifestyles but um but yeah it is scary man it's a scary fucking disease i mean every day is scary there are days where you get suicidal bro like even the medicines make you suicidal like i'm not i'm not yeah. just saying this like i mean i know your your listeners are gonna be like what the fuck this guy's going down uh, i mean there's a there's an upside to this it's the truth that that shit when i felt like i was gonna hang myself which is sorry about these ass wipes oh, the, I said. <laughs> it, they're not even allowed to be in here by the way bikes i yeah. think it's a bike but for the listeners uh in this neighborhood for some reason there's a bunch of uh douchebags on bikes on bikes yeah um, motorbikes yeah yeah well i don't like cyclists either so okay you know <laughs> you hit a lot of people man <laughs> <laughs> No, I don't, man. No, cyclists just fucking get in front of your car, man. While like you're in the middle of the road, yeah. like they think, like uh, they, they have complete disregard. For That's it. why they need to have a system like they do in the Netherlands, where they, they have, have their own lane. Yeah, I, I, I totally for bike lanes. That's okay. I don't have a problem with cyclists outside, but cyclists in my neighborhood are insane, man. Anyways, no, man. So this is now we're talking about how like this was the negative part. Then there was like the actual attack where I ended up in a wheelchair and I was in the hospital and they had to do some sort of intravenous treatment to get me back in shape. That's when I came to terms with, fuck, dude, that was after I finished the record. So by that point, I was like, I'm done, man. But we go back, we're going back to the, you know, you said that you just found out you got diagnosed with MS and you got your shirt off. The conditioning isn't working. And, you know, you're recording this song. Uh, That was in the middle of testing, by the way. So we didn't even know for sure what I was dealing with. Oh, so, yeah, you were going through. I knew I knew there was some serious shit because by then, because, you know, the testing, it was like you have to do several tests before. Yeah, bad place, bad state of mind, of course. Yeah, man. What was the song? What were the songs? There were What were the songs? Okay. Can you name some of them? Yeah, every, every, well, Astral had, Astral, like it's actually called Astral Voyager. Don't ask what it means, but I mean, 
you know? Yeah. <laughs> but um, that had lyrics to it. And I'd actually written about someone I watched slowly deteriorate from cancer in front of me uh, the year before. And then I said, there, there are lines in there that's even about my illness because I knew something was wrong, but I didn't know how bad the shit was. That stool sucks, by the way, because I just want to let you know it's hard. It's okay. It's okay. It looks comfy but it's not it, it, yeah it I, tricked me it's still tricked me. <laughs> it's very deceiving <laughs> no it's all good now man so like basically what i'm trying to say is like all the songs bro draw the line i was super fucking angry because this racist bitch on the road was being super horrible to me and i walked into the studio and i lit, literally just let it all out by that point i knew like we i got closer to the diagnosis and like i was coming to terms with like okay this is looking worse than it is because i started getting second opinions by the way by this point now i started finishing off the last test the mris the nerve tests all that shit but almost every song bro like dogtown i sang about venice beach and being in venice and santa monica i love dogtown thanks bro it's 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 about you know again down in venice beach and you know it's just the vibe yeah. just the good vibes man and like um just feeling liberated like being able to walk with your shirt off nobody gives a f- shit who you are nobody cares nobody judges you you're on yeah. your own man everyone's a freak show you know how man, it is yeah you know and so like so like dogtown you hear when i sing these songs like i'm singing straight from the soul bro because yeah. like i'm just letting out and you can feel it man you can feel it when you're listening i hope to so the, yeah no you definitely can feel it. and that's that's what i'm interested in is you know, you go through these like really heavy experiences, things that happen in your your personal life, whether it's the MS or, you know, other horrible situations. And then you channel that into your music, into your art. And it feels so good, bro. Yeah. It's like so therapeutic. That's, yeah, it's cathartic. And that's why, like, this is where I know your listeners are probably like, oh, man, it's like, Jesus, this guy's got some like heavy shit. Like it's negative. But this is where it gets good. All this stuff, the music, the writing, man. It feels so good. Like I actually wake up every day and I'm like, God, please let me have like another 30 years of like even more of this. Like, let me be able to play and sing as long as I can, as long as I'm alive, because this is the stuff that makes me feel really good. Playing guitar, man, makes me feel really good. I fucking recorded a cover yesterday just for Instagram as a tribute to Taylor Hawkins. That felt so good. Like it felt good just singing and jamming at home on my own. I'm jamming to a drum track of of one of my heroes. Like it's his actual studio track and it feels like I'm jamming with him and that feels amazing. Even even if I don't post it online, just sometimes, bro, I just write drums. Like I write actual structures for songs and guitar parts and bass parts. That's why I have my bass and everything here. And I just make music, man. Like I'll show you my demos. Like I have a whole fucking second album written. It's 14 songs so far, man. You know what I mean? And they're full songs with drums and everything. When's that coming out? Probably next year. Probably end of this year or next year, because now the band, the new band that I got together with, I need them to sit down and we go over the, I'll tell you about that, about Winterburn. Okay. Winterburn's an actual band now. Okay. Yeah, we want to know about Winterburn and, you know, what's happening with that. Like, where are you going next? You said you're looking for a deal, a specific kind, like a good deal. Yeah. I mean, and we want to tour for real now. Um, Live shows. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, But basically, as soon as like shit got really bad in my life. That's when I, that's when my mom, she saw me in the hospital when I had the really big MS attack. She, she noticed like towards the second, the first day I was like completely exhausted, man. Cause I'd been awake for 30 something hours waiting to see a doctor. They had to get a special. It was like a yeah. hassle. It's to, hard to know? sleep when you're dealing with that shit. And you're in a fucking wheelchair waiting all day and all kinds of bullshit. But by the time I got a room and I'd settled and I passed out and all of that and woke up the next day, take a shower or whatever. 
I was in a good mood. And my mom's like, why are you in a good mood? You can't even walk, you know, like you can't even use your arm. I'm like, because now I'm sort of coming into terms with reality. I may have lost my physical strength, but I can sing. I, I'm still a singer, you know. I can still hum melodies. I don't need to play guitar. I know music theory. I, my fretting hand was still all right. So I was like, I can still figure out a way to make music. If Jason Becker can fucking write songs with his eyes because they developed like an electronic system where he communicates uh, through sensors using his eyes. And he's written like three albums like that. Whoa. Full scores like of classical, neoclassical music. I think I'm okay, you know? Um, and then as soon as I got out, dude, I started playing guitar nonstop. My playing's better than it ever has been. I'm more advanced as a player it had like this weird reverse effect on my brain because prior to getting the ms attack i used to struggle to learn music oh well no like let me rephrase that i didn't struggle to learn music i would give up like i would be like ah oh, so complex fuck it let's just move on to the next thing you know whereas now everything's a breeze everything's a breeze even would you like say that you're like naturally a musician like you just have a like you have a natural talent for it or is it just you've put in the hours or is it a combination of both it's a combination of both man because you can't practice feel i see guys who are super technical guitarists like crazy fucking technical they got shit feel bro they can't even write a fucking riff you know okay. i can write you songs man i can write you a fucking album every few months and i don't mean that and and, and again like i'm not trying to be a dick or an yeah. arrogant prick yeah. <laughs> i am <laughs> no i can write fucking catchy ass songs yeah. bro because i think it's because i listen to a lot of music Facts, too. i think it's because i listen to a lot of poppy music too from the 70s and 60s and old school stuff because i don't just listen to rock man i listen to like everything right like don't they say if you want to become a writer you better read a lot of books it's just like i don't that. know do they yeah they do so Whatever you want to do, like if you want to be a musician, I guess in your case, it's helped you that you're obsessed with music and you listen to so much music and you're exposed to this. That gives you a lot of reference. It's there. like fighting. Like if you're an MMA fighter, like back in the day when the UFC first started, it, BJJ was like some groundbreaking thing because I'm talking about like UFC one, two, three, one Hoisin, yeah, that yeah. scene. Yeah. You, I think Horian Gracie was the one yeah. of the co-founders back then or whatever. And um these BJJ guys were like just like well this BJJ guy was like destroying everybody like wrestlers and they didn't it was like no holds barred they had no rules back then there was no like you know gloves and all that it was like every fighting style and I think you know people slowly adapted to becoming proper fighters when they started learning different styles you learn different like that's why you see a lot of fights they're like oh this guy beat him on submission because he's better at him better like than this. him at grappling yeah. or this guy's wrestling is way more advanced than this guy or this guy's a better stand-up fighter like he's better at combat right. sports you know like you got to learn all kinds of styles to be the best athlete you want to be music is similar to that man you can't just be i i genuinely feel that you can be a fucking awesome great rock musician but you're not going to be groundbreaking until you step outside man you know it's outside your comfort zone outside what you like bro i don't listen to rock music alone I have shit that I love just to, just as much as rock music. I love funk just as much as rock. And I enjoy playing the shit out of that. I started learning how to play bass because I want to learn how to play with my fingers and yeah. slap and pop and all of that shit because I love that shit, you know? I love new wave. I love 80s pop music, 90s pop music. I love hip hop music. A little bit of country. I fucking love country. Yeah. Which, you know, makes people laugh. But Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash, Waylon Jennings, um, like the Texas outlaw guys are awesome. Uh, even like commercial shit like Kenny Rogers is fucking good. My dad used to make me mm -hmm. listen to that when I was a kid. Um, Southern rock, e everything, man. Um, How would you describe your 
like winter burn, like the the style, the different. It's the a genres. rock and roll band. Rock and roll band. Okay, like a rock and roll band from Jahannam, because <laughs> it's it's a bit. No, I mean we're not that heavy, man. We have we're a rock and roll band with some some metal elements, some metal touches in there. But that's because. But I mean, even like one one of the PR agencies that we were we were gonna work with before the record came out in England, the guy was like, "Oh shit, I thought you were a metal band." So this is gonna be kind of harder to tackle this market, the rock and roll press. He's like, "Because well, they're just tougher, man." You know what I mean? You can even see it in our reviews for the record. But they, sometimes I think it's because we're not British as well, because okay. because we have bands on the same agency or bands okay. who like I don't, you know, I'm not gonna diss them. I mean, dude, we were talking about this earlier, right? We were talking <laughs> British about British privilege, bruh. <laughs> we were talking about this earlier, and you were you, you seem you know like you I have a lot to say. You're very passionate about this i just think music music there's racism in music whether you fucking agree or not i've recently made friend who's a front man of a band in america and he doesn't believe in white privilege he thinks in america it's equal opportunity well you know i think it's debatable like i think it exists in some places and in some places it's exaggerated you know like i i think some people try to blow things out of proportion but america there's more equal opportunity i than, would agree than in my hometown I would like agree. when i went out to la in two trips, look at the network of friends that I made there in the music industry. You know what I mean? Yeah, you were telling me about this. Just, just being fucking myself. Not even, it wasn't a contrived thing. Like I went there to, you know, like fucking hook up with all these guys. No, I just went out to like little clubs in Hollywood, met up with friends. I had friends there already. And they were like, yo, check out like my my buddy's bands playing here. And through that, you meet this Just naturally, person. just organically. And they're... They think you're a cool person and you hit it off, you yeah. know? And like, I've made a lot of friends like that. Out in our scenes. They our make, scenes, you mean like Middle East? Yeah, you. they make you feel like they're the unreachable people. It's the weirdest thing. I'm sure you know some famous cats as well abroad. Like, not, I'm not talking about here. Yeah. I got friends who are actors and like fucking multi-platinum selling singers. I'm talking multi-platinum in America. Like I have a friend who's fucking charted on the Billboard chart. He had a fucking number, like a top 10 album. You know what I mean? And like, he's like a friend, like he's normal and he's a human. And we've known each other for many years. Whereas I like here, they make you feel like they're unreachable. Like they're like divinity or something. If they get a certain amount of followers, that's it. (laughs) Oh my God. You know, like I, and that's what I mean. Like, it's so weird. It's like a weird culture that we have. Why though? Why? It's true. I And I agree with you. I just don't know why. I think, uh, we have a lot of malignant narcissists in our scene that just don't know how they're, they're really like stuck in their own toxic fantasy bubble. You know, I don't think they're part of the real world. And by the way, they're delusional. I say that to I say that to my friends. I'm like, why don't they like I used to think back in the days, like, why, right. why don't they leave? Why don't they relocate? Like, if I had that kind of money, I wouldn't live here. Not okay. because not not knocking my hometown. My home I love my hometown, but I would rather just have a nice house, beachfront house in Ventura or California. Santa Barbara or La Jolla. Yeah, I mean, fair <laughs> if I had like ten, twenty million dollars, I'll buy a fucking nice little apartment or condo somewhere there, you know? Fair but enough. like but then I'm like, why don't they? And I know why. Because they're exploiting these scenes. Because yeah. they people there see through your shit in like two seconds flat, bro. Yeah. They they will fucking see through your lack of you know lack your of medioc- talent, your mediocrity. <laughs> they know that you know they got a little, they got a grip on the scene here, and that's why they don't leave. And that's that's the thing. But for, you know, I I look at this whole nonsense as like even this cat. So I was born and raised in Qatar, and I grew up in Dubai as well. But you know, these are my hometowns. 
Now, forget Dubai. We're talking about Doha specifically. I've come back here, and now I put a band together here. Now, Winterburn is a, is in Doha. Like, okay. we're a trio. And everybody's here. Everyone's yeah. based and here. And they're fucking incredible musicians. I, I, w- I was blown away at how good that... It was chance meetings that I just met a drummer, and him and I hit it off. We actually became friends. Who are these band members of yours? Uh, on drums, it's a, a guy called Nisila Pereira. And on bass, uh, it's a guy called Sam. Uh, Sam's uh, incredible. Like, he's funked up my songs. Like, he slaps. He's just insane on bass. He's just so good. And when we jam, it feels like fire. Like, we we joke, you know, because, like, we have a band group on WhatsApp. It's a fucking Jimi Hendrix experience picture because it's a trio, too, you know. And I looked at the guys. I'm like, we try to uh, get another guitarist to try out. And he kind of like was like, man, I don't want to do this whole original scene. And he, I don't think he's ready for it. He just wants to stick to like normal live gigs where he plays, you know, commercial tunes. And it's money, man. And it's OK. I respect that because he knows what he wants. And he's At least honest. he's honest. Yeah. Yo, man, I respected that because he said that to me after the first session. And I was like, you know what, bro? It's cool. In fact, I even said to him, dude, if you need me to back you guys up in that band, I don't mind playing guitar and singing backing vocals because it's just good for live, you know, just to get a it's fun. You play covers and whatever and you get like some, you know, stage uh, hours under your belt. But um, the other two guys, we jammed one day. We played a couple of the so we played Dogtown and Center Swing and we started jamming and I looked at them and I said, guys, this sounds fucking killer even without a second guitarist. And my music's always been written for two guitars. I'm like, fuck it, man. Let's just play as a trio. It actually sounds so clean because you can hear me. And now it's made a challenge for me because now I stand out as a guitar. So my riffs have to be tight as shit when I'm playing and singing. My vocals have to be like on spot, you know, which is one thing I've struggled with like for a while now for the past few, for the past six months. I don't know why. I think it's because I'm mentally just not in the right place. But I mean, but it just feels great, man. And um, so now we're here and now we want to play live. And I'm just like struggling to get us like like to talk to people to engage with people now when i talk to people abroad like i can't go into too much detail because i told you this earlier i don't want to disclose too much because you know i don't like giving like telling people oh we're working on this we're working on that but basically when we talk about touring abroad it sounds good bro everybody seems happy and things flow smoothly but when i meet people here it's just like weird like do i have to be a certain color for you to fucking pay attention that's what I, that's kind of the vibe I'm getting now. Okay. That's Do interesting. You know so it's not, it's not, and this is what I thought. I thought maybe there's just a lack of a music scene here. There could be a music. Well, I heard something funny, man. Someone said some shit like, someone said, yeah, man, but maybe the promoter will be turned off by the fact that we've got a lot of originals in the set. I was like, yeah, but that's what we need to, that's, that's, that's. <laughs> That's what we need to break. It's we a need positive to, thing. Man. We need to break this fucking covers thing. It's good. Let people do covers. Let them make their money. Let them have fun, whatever. But why don't you want to promote original music? Look at all the hip hop, pop, Arabic singers, man. Do you think they're all doing covers? They're doing originals too, right? Why is their scene being pushed? And why are people any supporting well, if that? Well, if you want a healthy, if you want a healthy like music scene, you want to encourage covers and creativity and people to create music, you know? I mean, you, you want to encourage people to do originals, though. You want to exactly. hear. Yeah. yeah. But that's what I'm I, saying. I, yeah. Yeah. But like, I just found it weird because I said to my friend, I said, no, man, we need to go out there and do a set predominantly of originals and let people hear the stuff. Man, they'll dig it. Believe me, it's catchy shit. And I'll be there, man. Yeah. I appreciate Send me that. the invite. I mean, I mean, why is it that when I used to play shows before we I'll show you videos of some of our shows like we had one song in my solo material, which has a breakdown, which I used to get the audience to sing with me. 
Because after two, three shows, they got the tunes, man. You know what I mean? My point is, like, what I was saying was, there's a lot of hype here. I, hold back. I, I tweeted this shit, man, and a lot of people, including my British friends, back me up on it. I said there's British expat privilege in the Middle East is a disease. Okay, British expat. Why Why specifically British? Well, European expat privilege. Okay. <laughs> what we call in Arabic, al-khawaja. You know? Okay. Do you want to translate? It's that? like Arabs have a complex or some Arabs have a complex where they've actually embedded or they instilled this idea in their mind that that's better quality than what we have. Whereas I'm from a mixed background. I'm mixed race, right? I come from two different cultures. I speak, I used to speak four languages actually before I basically lost one of them because I out of bad practice, but I still understand some of it. And, you know, uh, I've lived, I've been around the world. I've lived in very decent conditions. I've studied a lot. I've read a lot of books. I think I'm pretty fucking educated, you know, and I think I'm, I've got as strong credentials as someone from there, but they will always have some kind of preference over me here. And that's so weird for me. And, and by the way, I'm not the only one who's saying this, like, yeah, any, it, 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 it's, it's in everything. It's in pay. It's in respect when it comes to music. I'm a brown kid and I can fucking play circles around some of these cats, dude. Why am I not getting the recognition? I've got four fucking records out. And they're not four average records. They're four fucking... Okay, actually, the first two, I, I kind of am embarrassed of them. I don't like my first two records. But the last two records, Prade Street and this Winterburn record, are fucking good records, dude. I don't think Thomas Pridgen would have played on my album if it wasn't good. You know what I mean? That's actually one of the reasons why I got Thomas on the album. I know it sounds kind of weird. When I, I said this in an interview with a magazine in London... And the interviewer kind of like went weird. I said, I wanted a black musician on my album. She said, why? I'm like, because my heroes are all black musicians. Hendrix, you know, Ike and Tina, um, all the soul and R&B guys, Stevie yeah. Wonder. Some of the best the musicians ever. That's why. I said, a black musician, I'm like, black musicians in general, they've got a different feel and groove, man. Like, there's so much soul in the fucking thing. And Thomas, aside from the fact that I think he's a badass person, he's just got... Even the rock stuff he plays, because Thomas is, he plays everything. He plays a lot of jazz, but I'm like, when he plays rock, you can feel that. This is the drummer you mentioned. Yeah. Yeah, man. And I wanted that. That's why my bassist, my bassist is from Ghana. And, and I love that there's something different about how he plays, bro. Like he brings so much groove and, and feel and soul into the music. Dude, the best singers are black singers. Going back to the the whole discrimination uh, complex that you were talking about. And that, that kind of discrimination is coming from other people that are Arab, right? It's, it's from, it's, it's like our own people have some weird, man, I'm going to piss a lot of people off with what I'm saying, but I'm saying, I'm telling you the truth because I've seen it growing up, bro. I've seen it for so many years, like being in music, like a lot of hype around someone just because of their skin color or because of their ethnicity. What the fuck is that, bro? Like, really, what the fuck is that? Like, have you seen some of the talents and musicians out in this region, man? Like, there are some killer fucking guitarists, singers. One of the best soul and R&B singers I've ever seen live is Emirati, um, Hamdan Al-Abri. He doesn't know me. We don't know each other. I think I met him once. But I've seen him sing, man. It's so much soul. This dude should be big. You know what I mean? Um, there's some incredible rappers, even in Qatar, man, from mixed ethnicities, not just locals. You know, I know an Egyptian one, a Qatari one. And, you know, like Definitely, there's, there's no lack feel, of talent. I just feel like people are receptive towards them way more than they are towards us. Because, I literally am witnessing right now, hyping 
how mediocrity is being hyped mm, while, also. while actual fucking, well, I, I, I'm not going to go into explicit details, but I Why can not? literally. Because, <laughs> you did off the record. Because I don't want to fucking badmouth people, man. Fair enough. But I will say, I'll say it like it is, man. These dudes, they're not even humble, man. It's like getting to their heads. Because this dude that they're hyping up or these musicians that they've been hyping up lately and I've been watching, I interacted with, with a couple of them and they got a fucking attitude. And I'm like, really, dude? Really? I fucking met Tony Ayo. I met fucking Slash and he was humble. Who the fuck are you? Like, who are you, man? And that's the kind of weird thing. It's like, always the, those, you know, it's funny. It's always those people that have the biggest attitude. It's almost it's like they're compensating. Gen- I think it's this whole generation is weird, man. Like this whole era. Um, I noticed like even famous people, like th- it's just like, I don't know. People think having an attitude makes you cool or gives you some kind of like fucking status. It you're, doesn't. you're very vocal on, so I'm not on Twitter, but I know you're very vocal on Twitter and on social media. You, like you don't hold back. A lot of people love it. A lot of people hate it. A lot of it's people true. hate me because they think I'm an asshole. But if they actually sat down and like had, you know, a meal or a coffee or a drink with me, they'll actually realize I'm pretty, I think I'm a pretty normal. I'm, I think I'm okay. I'm not that bad. I know that I have some opinions that maybe you might disagree with, but I don't mean ill will to anyone. Even these guys that I'm saying that they're over hyping. Tell I wouldn't give a shit if they hyped them up if those guys were cool, man. But they're not. They're fucking rude to me. And <laughs> that's why I'm okay. saying what I'm saying. But I fair also enough. but I also think it's not fair. I don't think it's fair that there's so many talented musicians from different backgrounds that just don't get I I I don't think ethnicity should be a fucking criteria at all. Hundred percent, man. In anything. hundred percent. Not I only in music and everything. I think it's just pure racist shit. Yeah, yeah. No, and everything, man. It should just be about um your competency or your your talent or you know, it should I, never be about oh this ethnicity or I don't know. Do you what. want me to say something that uh, you know my my bandmates I don't honestly think they, they wouldn't mind because I've said it to them. When we put the last record out, me and a bunch of other bands work with the same publicists and agents okay um sorry publicists and pr agencies uh here in england in england so it was because we did a uk nationwide campaign the british bands got on certain fucking radio stations that we didn't and they got features and we didn't and i can tell you for a fact go listen to the records and you be the judge i'll show you their records and you listen to our record and no not knocking them but like please tell me they're they're even if they're on the same level like there's obviously a and i said this to our agency and even my 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 pr agency's owner said it he's like yeah that's really weird i don't get why and i want to say dude there's a preference for the british bands because they're seen like as superior to us because we're from the fucking desert we're towelhead camel <laughs> these towelhead these these Muslimics can't <laughs> Muslims. Play, you know like <laughs> these, I haven't heard that one. These fucking Muslimics with the ray guns, <laughs> you know, like they, <laughs> they look at us like we're inferior or some shit. Interesting, you know. Well, this shit exists in the music industry. If you don't believe me, people can judge for themselves. I'm going to include all the links that you're going to provide in the episode uh, description. I think in that in that case, you're uh, going to have to do a lot of editing to make this more positive because I'll give you some more positive content about it. Doesn't have to be better in your fucking life. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> it can be all all just like raw truth, negative, and then at the end, I you know we tie it you know we tie it all in with the question. So we sidetracked a lot, but basically one thing that I was trying to explain to you earlier is the problem with my illness, and especially when I'm fatigued, it's like I feel like I'm kind of the rambling of a drunk old man i sometimes feel like i'm joe biden you know what i mean <laughs> like i just i'm gonna make a lot of people mad at that no but i mean like i 
I know that I say a lot of stuff, but it's just because because I'm so fatigued. Like I have so many thoughts accumulated in my head, and all of it wants to come out. And you I feel might, like you're like cloudy headed, or not when I play music, but now and when I'm, I think because I'm being recorded, I'm a bit more self conscious. But I think if we were talking regularly, but it's also because like I feel like I'm catching up. You know what I mean? Mm. So when I catch up with friends, I'm like so hyped that there's so much that I want to let out. Of course, that, yeah. That just it's just like a verbal diary. It's been a while <laughs> since I've seen you. Yeah. <laughs> it's like an explosion, projectile <laughs> vomit of information. But like it's not it's not because um, it's not because I. I'm not articulate enough to know how to say what I want to say or convey my message. It's just that I have so many ideas I'm trying to get out. I, it's funny because sometimes when I watch Kanye West, I'm not comparing myself to him, but I'm like, I know people think this guy's crazy, but sometimes I kind of feel what what he, he's just got so much shit in his head that he's trying to get out. And okay, he, he could articulate himself better because he's kind of crazy sometimes, but I understand what's going on, man. Like he's just got so many ideas. He wants to say so much shit. He's actually very smart because um, I'll tell you one thing. I know I completely died. Oh, yeah, I agree when when it comes to him being smart. And I'm not talking about him as a businessman. I'm talking music because I I used to diss the shit out of this guy till I watched an interview where he was talking about rhythmic patterns and how it affects you psychologically. And like he went into theoretical shit. And I was like, fuck, dude, this dude knows theory. Like, like he knows that this dude is not like just about, he's also a marketing genius. Yeah. I mean, he knows how to create a hype and get people. You don't got the answers. (laughs) (laughs) You ain't got the answers. (laughs) Cause look at Gaga. (laughs) What What does she know about cameras? (laughs) (laughs) I love that shit. I love it. Uh, But no, man, like, I just told you who I am. (laughs) But I, I really like, respect him way more man i think okay i know his behavior has been erratic and all that shit with his family he shouldn't do that in public but but um but generally speaking like i kind of get what he's saying so sometimes when i'm you know in this state where i'm slightly fatigued i'm sort of like i I don't want you to feel like pressure to to be like positive or anything like that because you know one of the things you know one of the ways we grow is (laughs) by letting out all the negative shit (laughs) i mean that's 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 one way there's many ways of doing it but i'm actually a very optimistic and positive person so like i'm telling you that people hyping up mediocrity and sidelining us that doesn't fucking make by being truthful the point is being truthful if this is stuff that you know want to point out being truthful you know i think it would be it would be detrimental to just pretend like, oh, none of this stuff exists. And, you know, we no, live in La La Land. Racism fucking exists in every industry, not just the music industry. But I'm just yeah. giving you my direct, like, experiences. Yeah. Bro, I can even tell you about shit that's been happening in the States, man. Like, I saw it with my with my, with my my friends, too, you know. But I'm just giving you my first-hand experience. There is a fucking racist thing. When I was in Dubai, the music scene, as in bands that were getting, like, slots to open for major bands that were coming from the States or whatever and headlining a Yasserina, as well as bands that were getting signed to a specific label, all seemed to come from the same ethnicity or circle of friends. And I know that that's how it happened. I know that that's why it was happening because a friend of mine who was signed to that fucking label told me that. And I swear on my mom's life, I'm not making this up. They used to tell me stories like, yeah, we're all, they were were all one clique and they weren't fucking letting people in. Bro, one of the biggest problems we had with two promoters in Dubai was that I was always viewed as the brown boy, you know, like the Daisy, because I'm not here or there, you know, I'm half Arab, half Daisy. So like to them, they're like, I was always like, you know, I didn't belong anywhere. And 
one of the things that happened was one of the promoters thought that he could fuck with my band with, you know, an agreement that we had about a show billing. And I said, no, dude, we had agreed to this a month in advance. I'm flying into the country. The show's in four days. You can't just change the billing at the time, the time of the show yeah, that's like a that. You can't, change, move. you can't change our fucking slot to give your friend prime time because that's what he was trying to do. He's trying to give his friend. Oh, I remember this. And I, you know, we ended up opening up the opening the show anyways, and we actually had a better reception because I forgot that it was on a Saturday. Jokes it, it, on him. It worked out for us really well. But the point I'm trying to make is that one incident led to me having issues with a bunch of people in different parts of the industry. One guy was, I mean, I'm not going to go into details because then I'm, I don't want to burn bridges. But basically... The problem in our region is there's a, I mean, that's actually not just in our region, man. It happens everywhere around the world, but we have too much personal shit involved in the music scene. There's too much, there's too much subjectivity, bias, you know, I can guarantee you bring 10 bands records. Don't fucking tell anybody where they're from or who's on the record. And you'll get different reviews than if they knew who was playing on those records. The fact that they know that it's you automatically they're like, you know, they're, 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 bro, we recently had this thing and I told my friend, tell him that it's me because tell him that the band on the record is me and Thomas Pridgen because everyone who was on this panel knew Thomas Pridgen. I know that the reactions that they had to the record, that they had really good positive reactions. Actually, everyone reviews were really fucking cool. It's like this thing we're doing online, but I can guarantee if they knew that it was Thomas playing, it would have like elevated way more. It would have been like, oh, yeah, man, that's fucking hooky. Listen to that film. Because now yeah. they know. Like, they know. It's, man, it, it's, it's like it's like art, you know? It's just like that with art, right? It's all about the name and the persona and, you know, who is it? It's Banksy or this is a piece. It's just like some white canvas. Not Banksy specifically, <laughs> but like a white canvas. I honestly saw like a plain white canvas. Oh, and, dude. And like a white canvas with like a like a black line or something. It's like, oh, this is amazing because and it's made by so-and-so. It's like, it's what? Like, it's, like, it's like that painting that sold for 45 million dollars of the ukrainian flag the other day oh <laughs> that's, a, that's a, i didn't hear about at, that at an auction that's the craziest shit i've ever heard in my yeah. life so i was like be right back guys i'm gonna go get some ukrainian flags yeah. and make my own no but what i'm trying to say but that's exactly what it is that's it's it, it even uh, this has permeated into like the fucking fashion industry man like i saw a balenciaga bag recently that looks like a fucking mcdonald's paper bag and it's like worth like some crazy amount of money i'm like mm. it, it looks like shit bro like it's funny because a lot of this high-end fashion that I see people wear, it looks like shit. Not a lot. I mean, or they repurpose like, you know, clothing from like other ethnicities or other places, you know, and they make it shittier. They make it shittier and they charge a fortune. (laughs) That's what I meant. Like the, the, they try to be, I mean, it's just weird, man. But like, that's what I'm saying. Music is the same thing, man. I think, uh, people have a tough time, like separating the musician from the music. I don't have that. You know, I saw like a couple of friends of mine um, play at a little club and there weren't even 20 people, 20 people at the show uh, in Hollywood. And then and I and I I said to my wife, uh, like I was like, this is one of the best shows I've ever seen in my life. And when their record came out, I listened to the record while I'm working out. I don't feel like, oh, I don't look down on it or it's like average to me or mediocre because these are my friends. 
I can actually yeah. objectively listen to the music I, you and know enjoy what, it. Man, I, I, I've noticed that among some people, some people, and I you don't get, now see, I'm sorry. I wasn't so articulate and I'm trying, I don't know if I'm trying to get this point across, but it's just coming out completely. Th- fucking I mean, this point <laughs> definitely clicked in the sense that when you said like, you don't look down on it because it's your friends and you shouldn't. And unfortunately there's people who sometimes people are close, the closest to you are like the least supportive example. I'm, I'm doing this podcast. Some most supportive people are people that don't know me that well in the States or something. Yeah. I know some like people say. outside posting your thing more than people in, I know right. you have friends that support you here, but yeah. I notice you have people like in fucking Jersey or something. I think, yeah. Like 20% of, uh, of my listeners are in the, in the States. My music's the same thing. Yeah. The majority of my listeners are. And like, even here, some of the people who are closest to me, I don't know. They just don't, maybe because they, they know me. So they don't, I don't know if they, they don't take you serious because they know you, you know what I mean? Or yeah. I don't know. See, even I'm struggling to articulate it, but you know what I'm. I'm I know exactly what you mean, and you know what you know. I'll give you three examples of that in in my world. Live shows, all the shows that I went to Dubai, none of my friends used to show up. It was always well, they used to in the beginning, and then you slowly just you know. If my friend was coming to like Dubai from England or LA, and he was playing a show, I'll do. I'll fucking fly out to watch that show, bro. I'll be there. If I was around uh, an area where my friends are playing live, I'll go. I mean, my drummer's band the he the side band he does they play covers and i went out to watch him last week and i stayed for the whole set and i enjoyed it because that's my my drummer's band dude like and and i want to enjoy i want to like support him but you know like uh, i find that very weird like um same thing on social it brings you back to social media the majority of people that engage with my shit on social media are not my close friends like they're not i mean my some of my close friends do but the majority of them are guys in the states or guys in south america you know um, and that's fucking hilarious because I have friends that I've known for 20 years that don't even like, like, or don't even like a video. Bro, or I have it. family that do that. I had a fucking record come out and my own family members didn't even share it. My own family members. The that's, only person who I have to say has always backed me up, always front row taking videos. Even when like we were not married is my wife. Like she's always been a fan and she's a rock. She likes rock music. So she's an actual fan of the bands. She digs the music on on the records you know like she actually sits and listens to them and says i fucking dig this i love this and you know she loves the winter bird stuff but like i just find that funny like and and it's interesting i wonder why i wonder why they'll hype mediocrity but they won't hype their own friends yeah like they will like i find this so funny they will people will invest their money and time into i forget money okay you can like say i obviously i'll buy merch and shit that i love from my favorite bands but i mean they will obsessively support famous people who are already super famous (laughs) and don't give a fuck about them like they will support them even in their personal struggle like like you know like they broke up with with their boyfriends and they will get emotional about it and they will hate the boyfriend like taylor swift fans or some shit you know they were like literally that fucker you know like i see this on twitter they're like oh my god taylor yeah queen and like they'll sit and fucking berate the guy but they won't even support their fucking friend who's like trying to make a music struggling artist i'm not talking about me i'm just talking about in general it's in general this is a thing and it's just like bizarre i feel like somebody needs to study like i want to know the psychology behind it social media destroyed fucking people's morals and behavior <laughs> I swear to God, it made them it it made them like weird, man. Like everyone's priorities are skewed, and I don't know if it's social media or if it's just our culture. Well, social media doesn't help for sure. 
it's it's just not real to me. And you know, like I was saying this to you before we started recording about this whole metaverse NFT. I mean, what the fuck is a metaverse? It looks like Nintendo sixty four graphics. <laughs> it's the it's early like, stages, man. To be fair, why is it so shitty? Like you know, you have a real fucking world where it's like, see, all the shit's weird to me, man. It's it's got to be like some money laundering sham. It can't be real. Like some dude bought a $650,000 yacht on the metaverse. I'm like, that's fucking not real, bro. Like what I'm trying to say is people are so warped into this world that like I want to I, I want to see it go down in flames. Like I would actually. This world or like the virtual? No, no. World? I mean the virtual world. Okay. Including I, I, social media? I don't give a shit. Yeah. I got into music because I love playing. You know, when I was a teen, I just wanted to play a, my dream as a kid when I was like, what, 12, 13. So I wanted to know how to play guitar like play chords and be able to go in a room with a nice like Fender Strat or a Gibson and a Marshall amp and just jam with my buddies. That's that's I swear to God, that's that's when I started out. When we got the jam room, when I was like 16, a jam room, got the amps, the guitars and everything. I wanted to record music and write music. And I started writing music. I wrote my first like stuff when I was like 16 and a half, 17. When I started writing music, I was like, I want to fucking play live. So I started playing live shows with my friends, Battle of the Bands, Backyard Stuff, Compound Gigs. We did our own DIY shows, bro. Nice. Like we'd get like 100 people, you know, in I a fucking it. place moshing. We we had some sick shit, man. For, for Do like it yourself, a, you know. And we were playing fucking like not easy shit, dude. For 17, 18 year olds, we were playing like fucking some technical stuff too. And then like when you started doing those shows, you want to play in clubs. Then you want to tour. Then you want to play festivals, which we've done, you know, and it always just progresses. But like at the end of the day, for me, it's all about the real organic stuff. This social media business bullshit, this aspect of it, promoting, running around, trying to project a certain image, doing all of that. That's not, you know, sometimes, dude, like look at me right now. I'm in this fucking shirt that's like, like, like I, I look like a slacker a bit. But sometimes I want to take a picture of me when I look like shit and post it online and go, this is what I look like. I look like shit right now. And I don't give a fuck what anybody thinks. Man, honestly, social media is... I'm only on Instagram. It, it man, isn't and, real. And I wouldn't even... I barely post. And the only reason Every I do is because of the podcast. Like- it's just... It's toxic, man. Social media is just... I mean, I mean, okay. I'll, now this is a whole segment on social media. Dude, who... What are... What's going on with people? Everyone looks the same. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone looks... Ex- and they use the same fucking filters. And, and bro, I'll tell you something. You know what? I'll confess something. Now I have here. to be the clueless guy doing the interview. What do you mean? What do you mean? <laughs> be the Nardwar. <laughs> no, dude. I mean, I know these apps they use, which remove freckles and yeah. remove spots. Dude, I, I got spots, man. I just got my fucking teeth cleaned. One of my teeth was fucked. You know, like I was yeah. like, because I, I was smoking and like drinking a lot of coffee and whatever. And just, yeah. Been you know, there. and I got I got my teeth cleaned, but I would never get those. You know, the the, the fucking million, million dollar smile. Oh my the, god! The shit, the oh. shit that causes a fucking lunar eclipse. Stuff <laughs> like, that reflects and burns. You can see the fucking teeth from the International Space Station. Yeah. Like, man, that's that's pretty big here, big time, all over the region. And yeah. like, I look at all these people; they all look weird, bro. Like, Is that it, where they like grind their teeth? So they're. It's not even the real teeth. They put like, either, yeah, they grind it and then they like stick. Put some, yeah, like veneers. Like veneers or something. Or something. Yeah. When you, you look at that, man, it's like, you look at that and it's like, oh man, that's, it's uncanny. Like, why would you do that to your teeth? I don't know, man. I don't know what's up with people. Like everything is just this fake. I mean, like 
And don't people get bored of the same sort of looking content? Everyone's like in the same outfits. Everyone's in the same cars. Everyone's in a fucking private jet. Everyone yeah. supposedly owns a Bentley Bentayga now. But everyone's you know funny, man. That stuff that's so well. Everyone has a fucking Patek Philippe. That's what gets the likes. And people. I don't know. I don't know. Is and it, does it like, is that just a reflection of society? Like, I mean, look, I like some of the fine things in life. I like nice watches and I like, you know, like certain luxury things. And I love nice cars. Sure. Okay. But that's not what appeals to me. This shit doesn't appeal to me. I sold my fucking car. I had a fucking nice like sports car and I sold it because I bought an SUV because it was just, it was not practical for me. It's not a, even a money thing. Like a lot of my, I, I did it before I even had a kid, even bef before I even was planning to be a dad. I was like, I, I can't drive this car every day. It's fucking driving me nuts. The service costs are stupid. The wheel room gets cracked and you need to change it. You're going to pay thousands of dollars just to fucking replace it. Like, I mean, I was like, I don't need this. I'll just buy a fucking SUV that I can like wreck. I love nice cars. Don't get me wrong. If I had like the funds to own two cars, I'd buy a fucking sports car. But I was just, I lost interest and it was just too much pressure on my head. I have other priorities in life. That's the end of part one of our two-part series with Nasser. If you made it this far, I assume you enjoyed it. So share it with someone else who might get value from it. And stay tuned for part two. You've been listening to Curated Advice on Better Living. It's our passion to interview guests on their experiences to bring you different perspectives on personal development, on everything from healthy habits to mindset to relationships to functional movement and biohacking. We hope you've enjoyed the show, and we hope you've gotten some information that can change your mindset. Make sure to like, rate, and review the show, and we'll be back soon. But in the meantime... We'll leave you with this from Bruce Lee. Be formless, shapeless, like water. Now you put water into a cup, it becomes the cup. You put water into a bottle, it becomes the bottle. You put it in a teapot, it becomes the teapot. Now water can flow or it can crash. Be water, my friends.